Here is Marta. She works as a cashier at a local grocery store. Earlier in the week, she was involved in a car accident. A distracted truck driver ran through a red light and hit her car. Martha's car got totaled, but she didn't feel any pain right after the accident. As a matter of fact, she was in shock. It was her first time involved in a car accident. Friday morning, she started feeling a sharp pain in her back. While at work, Martha tells a co-worker what happened. The co-worker suggests calling an attorney. On her phone, Martha Googles, best car wreck lawyer near me, and clicks the first search result on the screen. It's an ad from the Mercury law firm. She lands in a page that speaks directly to her needs. Still, she decides to bounce back to the results page and clicks on the next ad. The second ad leads her to a website that she finds overwhelming. She bounces back to the results page and clicks again on the Mercury Law Firm ad. Martha's clicks set back Attorney Mercury's Google Ads budget by $324, $162 per each click. Back to Martha. She's having a busy day at work, so she cannot call the Mercury Law Firm immediately but she decides to work extra hard for the rest of the day so that she can finish her shift a few minutes early, just to have enough time to call the Mercury Law Firm before the end of business day. Meet Jim. Jim is a receptionist at the Mercury Law Firm, a solo practitioner law firm. Jim is also in charge of intake. It's 5.48 p.m. on a Friday, just 12 minutes before closing time. Jim had a busy day, had multiple calls of prospects that didn't have good cases. He was frustrated. But by this time, Jim had already cleared his desk and all of his attention was on a group chat conversation with his friends about their weekend plans. He's ready to leave and counting the minutes to do so. At 5.49 p.m., the phone rings at the Mercury Law Firm. At the other end of the line is Martha. I'm Leah Levy co-founder of Nanatom Media, and this is In Camera, where we have real conversations about legal marketing. Welcome to In Camera, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Today I'm joined uh, by Grace. Grace, how are you today? Good. How are you, Leo? I'm doing very well, Grace. Thank you very much for asking. And today we start with our second block of episodes, which will be dedicated to intake and retention. Grace, what our listeners can expect from the next three episodes? So we are going to discuss essentially what it feels like and the things that you are involved in intake, we're not going to go specifically into the types of intake. We may briefly discuss that a little bit between you and I, but um, mostly I think what we're going to try and get everybody to understand is the different uh, components of intake and kind of what it takes, right? Um, things like timeliness, you know, um, maybe some ideas of consumer habits, a little bit about empathy, and um, of course, etiquette. And the last thing is ABC, 
We'll get into that as we get to the end, though. Thank you for that, Grace. So um, is it fair to say that over the next three episodes, um, we will cover the different channels where intake takes place, um, and we will explore what are the best practices uh, for intake, and if there is a best path to lead to conversion. How do you feel about that? I like that. I like that. I think that we're going to get basically a nice deep dive into intake and retention, right? We're going to expose it all for everybody. That's all I want to know, Grace. I need to know that you're up for this challenge because intake, it's a complex conversation. I think we're both very passionate about it and we want to make sure that uh, we're going we're gonna to do our best to try to cover it all. All right. Sounds like a plan. It does sound like a plan. So today we'll start with intake. So um, here's, let, let me start by sharing, the, Grace. This is why I think intake is so important, okay? Every call that goes unanswered, a message that's not followed up on becomes immediately a potential negative review for your law firm. Grace, do you agree with what I just said or Oof, not? 100%. And why? 100%. It's happened before. I've seen it many, many times. Write a Google review. They didn't answer me. They didn't get a hold of me. They'd, and they weren't even clients, but they could have been. So, yes. Reviews, it could be potential negative opportunity rather than a positive one. Great. You know, we always um, leave the takeaways for the end of the episode. But on this particular occasion, as an exemption, I'm ready to give one takeaway already here. Not even two minutes into the show. I'm ready for the first takeaway. And here it is. If your law firm is unable to get calls answered, stop immediately any marketing activity that you have, sort out your intake process, your availability process, and then go back into marketing. Because every call that comes through and it doesn't get an answer and the messages are not getting re responded to will uh, potentially turn as Grace just said, to a potential review on Google, on Facebook, or any of the other platforms that matter to you, that matter to your strategy, and that could create harm to your law firm. One of the most basic things that a law firm has to implement is an effective intake process before they even start implementing a sophisticated marketing strategy. What do you think, Grace? Oh my goodness. That's the first thing I always tell people. I'm like, if you don't have anyone to answer the phones, why are you going to start doing advertising? You're going to spend thousands of dollars on advertising, but you have no one to convert them. That's exactly what you're doing. You need to have the systems and everything in place. As he said, this is a takeaway for everybody, especially for our law, law firms here. You guys need to have this stuff in place before you start spending money on the wrong things. And then it turns into a big problem. Here's another point that I have about intake, okay? So uh, conversion in legal marketing, we, we call it as the act that a prospect uh, completes when they finally gather the courage to reach out for legal help. Now, in many cases, this is a very, very difficult step to take for these individuals. They are distressed, they're afraid, they're intimidated maybe. And when they're met with silence 
it should come as no surprise that this disappointment and frustration settles in. And as you very rightly mentioned, Grace, in one of our uh, previous episodes, people are more likely to talk and share when they've had a negative experience than when they actually had a positive one. And so this is a good example of one of those situations when people can end up sharing this uh, frustration in platforms uh, where other potential prospects and clients may go to research your law firm before deciding to convert. And this can be damaging. So I think we both agree that intake is a very, very, very critical step uh, for the success of your digital marketing and in general marketing. Yeah, you could call it the customer service and or lifeblood of your business. Now, Grace, let me let me um, let me ask you about something else, right? So uh, we've been to uh, many conferences over the past year, and there's a very interesting debate going on about whether intake is part of the sales process or is it customer service. We're arguing that um, the sales trans the sales transaction gets completed the moment that the client converts, and so therefore, by the time that the client is calling, it's already customer service, right? Well, we're not going to really focus this entire conversation on that, but I do want to know if you have an opinion. So I definitely do. Um, having been on different sides of the coin in terms of the sales and or marketing side of it and or, um, you know, how you're saying intake could be sales or customer service. I think it's both. Um, it's always both, right? Because you should always, 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 no matter what you're doing, whether you're selling or serving, you should always be serving the customer. And as a customer service representative, you should always be selling the customer while serving them. So to me, it's a moot point. I don't even think it matters. I think that you should always be serving the customer. And for the company and for yourself, you should always be serving the, the, the business as well. Does that make sense? It does, Grace. With that being said, let's now move on and look into what are the basic elements for a good and successful client-oriented intake. Now, Grace, uh, would you care uh, explaining our audience, why are we using the term client-oriented intake as opposed to just intake? You let me know if this is what you think uh, or why we're <laughs> using that term, but personally, it, it has to be client-oriented, right? Rather than just specifically about intake because it's about the client, just like we've been saying from the very beginning. It's about the client or prospect. It doesn't matter if they're not a client. It's about the customer, right? So having it be client-oriented rather than just doing it for the sake of doing it, like we do sometimes for sales, it, it, you can't have that kind of mentality going into it. It has to be client-oriented. That's a super important phrase to even has a, as a conception in your head and make sure that you understand that every single time you talk to a brand new person on that, on that phone. That's exactly what I had in mind, Grace. A client-oriented intake is intake that you do with a purpose. It's intake when you're actually putting the caller at the center of things and you really take the lead from them and you adapt and you listen and you make sure that everything that you do answers to their concerns, answers to their needs, and is, of course, uh, delivered in a timely way so that uh, it it, it, it is relevant to them while it matters. So uh, with that being said, Grace, why don't we start a deep exploration into the elements of 
successful client-oriented intake. So the first one is uh, timeliness. We have to be timely, okay? So here's an interesting uh, stat that I found. According to Find Law, when hiring a lawyer, people tend not to shop around for too long, meaning that most people will hire someone after talking to one or two law firms at most. So Grace, um, why do you think law firms should spend time in understanding very well who is their market and their consumer patterns? So this goes back to the customer journey. So for those of you who don't know or haven't heard necessarily about what the customer journey is, it's a huge component of the customer experience, right? Um, I always go back to consumer behavior and kind of you, you yourself and when you go out and you look for something and what is the journey that you take to get to that person, right? Or to that company or to make that buy or consideration of that product, right? So think about it in this sense. If you go in and you start looking, where do you look for a particular product or a service that you're looking for? Let's say accounting, right? Because that's very similar to law firms. If I don't have an accountant, I want to go, I start maybe look at YouTube videos. I might go on Google to look at this. I may even go as far as to see and stop into a location and go take a look at that. That is essentially the customer journey. And the reason I'm telling you this is because the customer journey is not linear. It's not the way we used to be. You didn't have the yellow pages. You posted it. You had the big, you know, one page um, ad in the yellow pages. So you knew you were guaranteed to get that phone call as a law firm. Not so, right? So you have to have it fully defined in your mind and as part of your strategy, as your overall strategy for the business, who your customer is, who is it that you're trying to target. And all of that will define exactly the intake process, even down to your marketing process, because it's helping you understand who your people are and why you're going to be doing what you're doing and also how to do it. In this case, the intake people, how you're going to treat them, how you're going to teach them how to treat other people um, and, and basically make it in their mind that they understand that the people that they're taking care of are their types of mothers, brothers, sisters, et cetera, et cetera. So it's super important to understand who your target is, who your market is, because your intake people will in turn treat them that way. And also understand that these people are like mothers, brothers, sisters, just like everyone else, but specific to what your practice areas are and the people that you deal with. I'll give you an ex a really specific example. Unfortunately, you know, in this world, we have sexual abuse cases. People who handle sexual abuse cases and particularly specifically for intake on that will be a different type of person that can handle a simple slip and fall. Although, of course, slip and fall is not always ever simple, right? Somebody's injured, somebody's hurt. So no matter what, it's never a simple intake. But the gravity and the difference between a sexual abuse case intake as opposed to a slip and fall intake everybody knows and we understand that that is different, right? So just know your target market, know your practice areas and understand who your people are that are doing the intake and who they're speaking to so that they have the appropriate level of empathy, understanding, and questioning. Make sense? Yes, great. So 
Grace, is, is it fair to say that if your clients have a sense of uh, urgency, then that should translate to your team too as well? Your team should acknowledge that and should also uh, respond in the same way? That's right. It always comes from the top, right? It has to do with the timeliness of the company as a whole and instilling that sense of urgency in your intake team and everybody in your firm. And so, Grace, you have a lot of exposure to the inside operations of a law firm. Um, what are things that law firms can do? Okay. As you're now saying, it all starts from the top. What are things that law firms can do to make intake a priority? So, the whole idea is to be there when they need you, right? So you should be there in in the way that they prefer to communicate with you, whatever that method of communication is, whether it's they want to do an intake on the phone, they want to do an intake through a chat bot, they want to do an intake via a form, um, plus some phone call, whatever it is, be there when they need you and in the method with which they want to communicate with you. And to do that, you have to have processes in place and systems in place to help and provide tools to your intake team. And that comes from the top. And the same with the attitude and ideas behind making sure that you are taking care of each and every single person as if it was your only client. Okay. There's, there's always a balance in that, of course, you know, but it comes from the top in, in providing that corporate culture, um, of empathy, understanding, and, um, not sacrificing quality for quantity, right. As we were discussing before this episode even started, we, we really discussed that a lot, I'd say, because, you know, that's such a big deal and can be such a problem in, timeliness, right? Trying to get it, make sure that you have a process or a system in place to get a hold of uh, that person. Let's say that they filled out a form and you say you're going to contact them in 30 minutes. No offense. Don't ever contact a person 30 minutes later. You need to do it within five minutes. I'm sorry. That is the goal. If you cannot do it within five minutes, okay, fine. I'll give you the pass a little bit for 30 minutes, but guess what? They're not going to give you that pass. They're going to be filling out that form for the next law firm. And then guess what? You lose that deal. I, I actually, Grace, have there um, uh, also a good solution, particularly for web forms. Yep. So um, um, sometimes people complete web forms because of many different reasons. Maybe they're not available for a conversation at that time or not. So just ask on your web form. When are you available to talk, right? Get the information that's going to make it easier for you to get back to the client. And so if they did not provide you with that information, well, just as Grace mentioned to you, the sense of urgency is the moment you get the web form, you reach out. However, if they specify as a, a specific preference, then you make yourself that you uh, mark your, your calendar, set yourself a reminder, in Asana, Slack, wherever you want, and you're calling that uh, uh, prospect whenever it's that they're available. The other thing, Grace, um, and I'm sorry because I know that you were on a flow, but um, you also mentioned, right, like nowadays, particularly as law firms, there's so many platforms where you can, that, that you can make yourself available for intake, uh, be that, you know, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp for Business, right, your live chat on your website, and a lot of people jump right into all of these platforms and make themselves available there. But um, 
what's really, really important is that if you're going to uh, enable Facebook Messenger, then there better be someone paying attention at what's happening in Facebook. So whenever somebody is starting a conversation with you on Facebook, you, re you respond not within five minutes, like as if it was a live chat, right? And um, I think there is still a very, very, very big number of uh, law firms who, who have not yet understood that, you know, being present in a certain platform uh, and opening up uh, uh, the door to people to have conversations with you in that platform is very, very powerful, but it can also backfire big time if you're not responsive to that. Do, do you agree with, with, with this, Grace? Oh, yeah, that goes right back to what we said from the beginning. Don't spend the money, in this case, the effort or time if you don't have the people to answer the calls. And it works the same with any platform you put them on, right? Whether it's a Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp Messenger, Allo, Google Call, it doesn't matter. You need to have the people to actually respond if you put that method out of communication. That's right, Grace. And so um, moving on now to the next element, and it's something that uh, I think just as we were covering the first one, like it was still hard to talk about intake without in a way or another uh, referencing the importance of empathy, right? So let's, yes. start, let's start here by just understanding what's the definition of empathy. And according to Wikipedia, it's the ability to understand and share the feelings of another, okay? The way I explain it to myself is understand the person's needs at an emotional level. What does this mean, Grace, when we are implementing and practicing empathy in the intake process? How does empathy come to play in intake? So in intake specifically, I think the most important thing to remember is these people are calling you in a time of pain, need, and help, right? There's right. Go Going back to, to the example, as you were saying, of sexual abuse, like imagine taking in that call. So um, as much as you can, and as you said, it's emotional understanding of what someone else is going through. Not just sympathy, it's empathy. It's truly feeling and understanding what they're going through. And so in they're coming to a law firm because they're hurt, because there's a problem. So just starting there, they're in a, in a vulnerable state. So it's super important that you as the intake specialist and as possibly the first contact with these people, um, right? Isn't that what you said yeah. from before? I mean, this is possibly the very first contact that I have with this law firm Correct. that you are empathetic. I mean, lawyers aren't known to be warm, are they? I mean, what do you think of? You think of, unfortunately, we think of a lot of really bad jokes and lawyers, right? So you need to kind of there, there, there's probably a few warm lawyers out oh, here. Let's, there's let's, plenty. We know all of them, right? <laughs> but this is what the mentality is. You're going in, you're hurt, and there's a problem. So empathy and having that understanding in the law firm as the intake specialist being the first kind of point of contact with these prospects, I mean, how important is that to you? I mean, something simple. You go into a store to buy a piece of clothing. If the person comes to you and says, oh, I have a shirt like that, or I understand why you want this, or doesn't that make you feel good? Now, think about yes, getting hurt to a whole other level. No? Grace, listen, here's, here's my thing. This is why I think empathy is so important. First of all, 
it helps you building trust with people. And, and that's going to be critical. Like no one's going to hire an attorney that they are not trusting in. And so empathy, it's an enabler for trust. Now, the other very, very powerful thing that practicing empathy will do to you is that it will allow you to understand what worries, what bothers, what concerns your prospect has. So you can talk directly to your ability to impact that situation in which they are and solve it in a way that it's meaningful to them. I think, and I've seen this uh, happen over and over again, I'll give you here an example. Let's think of injured Hispanic worker and they're injured and in pain. However, that's not their main concern. Their main concern is that they got injured at work and they're afraid to lose their job. And so when they reach out to the law firm uh, to inquire about their situation and what they can do about it, they're putting all of the focus on attention into uh, them being afraid of uh, getting fired from work or how this could impact to their uh, legal status and whatnot. And it may very well be that the law firm is more interested in concern about the gravity of the injury and getting into medical and getting them into medical treatment. And so when you are bypassing the concerns of your prospect, the individual, the person behind that call, and you're not addressing those and you're not uh, putting enough attention and effort into understanding and helping them understand how is it that you're going to solve the whole situation, including what matters to them, then you're basically not connecting. You're losing the ability to be relevant to what this person uh, is feeling and what they truly need and what they truly need. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's such a good point, Leo. Um, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I really want to expound a little bit on your point because sure. it's such a, a big deal, right? I mean, the first thing you think of as an intake specialist is always, you know, get that retainer agreement signed, get that, you know, or find out, is it really a true uh, case? Whereas it could be, and the most important thing is don't, talk at cross purposes with this person. The person wants to explain what happened to them, their fears, their concerns. And all you have to do is listen. A lot of times, sometimes they don't even want you to say anything necessarily. They just want the opportunity to talk about what happened to them and for you to be the first person to actually listen without looking for something. Right. So, um, give them a, a safe place to speak. And, um, you know, obviously it, it is a law firm, right guys. And so this is, a hard thing, but there is a line between um, being empathetic and allowing it to go on too long as well. Um, we can discuss that probably in another one, but that's such a, uh, that is a big concern for a lot of law firms that, you know, they don't want their people talking on the phone for, you know, an hour before they even ask for assigning assigned agreement, let's say. Um, but, you know, I think it is a very important point. And, and I think that what you said is so important to remember, talk to them as human beings, talk to them as people that got hurt. Yeah. Not. And I think Grace, like you can retain as a, as an intake agent, you can retain control over the conversation and guide the conversation towards obtaining the information that you need in order to really be able to define whether you're going to be able to help the caller or not. There's still an empathetic way of exactly. doing that. 
And there is the way of doing it in which you are just trying to dispatch callers as if you were taking pizza orders at a Domino's Pizza. And it's really, it's really not that. So um, I want to go back to something that, that you said um, uh, on the previous point is you want to make feel that person that is calling you as if you've been sitting there all day waiting for their call. And when you're actually talking to them, you want them to feel that they have your full attention and that you are deeply interested in what they're saying to you. They don't need to know that this has been the ninth call that you've received in the day uh, of a car accident and that you are getting ready to go for lunch. That's not the kind of things that should be reflective on your intake uh, technique. Grace, um, what other tips do we have for our listeners when it comes down to uh, practicing empathy? So I think in practicing empathy, it's important to remember that people are divulging very, very personal information. So in practicing empathy, I think it would be important and possibly, you know, probably the, the most important idea and training that you could do is role playing. Um, I mean, if you can have them, of course, understand the different drugs or um, practice areas that you have or different, you know, I'm talking about mass tort specifically, but let's say any, any practice area that you have, understanding the different injuries that people could have, understanding the different ways that they can provide them with a sense of comfort that we are here to take care of you. And we as the firm are here to take care of you. And we are here to take care of all of your problems that are go going with this particular injury that you're experiencing. So it, it, I think it's super important what Liel said, and that's probably number one, is make them feel like they are the only ones on that phone and that they have your full attention forever. You know, even if it takes five minutes, it takes 10 minutes, even if you don't end up taking the case, it doesn't matter. Why? Because a prospect is a potential client is a potential client no matter what. Yes, I love that, Grace, and we're going to actually at some point come back to that. Uh, but here is the tip. Limit the legal jargon. These people, they're no law students. They don't necessarily understand your terminology. So make it easy for them to understand and speak in terms that they can relate to. That's all I have, Grace. Do you have anything else about empathy? No, no. Um, I mean, related to empathy, I know we talk about marketing all the time, and this is specifically about intake, but it's the same thing with marketing people, right? When we tell you uh, all these buzzwords, SEO, SEM, uh, PPC, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? We don't. You don't want to hear it. Neither does your clients. They don't want to hear the legal jargon. They could care less. Just tell me how you can help me and what you're going to do to help me. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely, Grace. Um, so I think we're ready to move on to our third, uh, element, which is have a telephone etiquette, be consistent, uh, mm -hmm. implement set standards and measure up against them. Now, let me explain a little bit more as to what, uh, a telephone etiquette is. Telephone etiquette covers everything from the way in which you greet a caller to the process that they will follow throughout the uh, conversation. And it will also uh, define the tone uh, that you want to use 
and some particular uh, expressions that you believe in and that you'd like to be consistently used by your team. So um, let's start with the most uh, basic, right? The greeting. So um, I've encountered many, many times people who just uh, answer uh, their law firm by just saying law firm. And sometimes when you're just a new caller, that doesn't translate into a warm, welcome experience. So here is a good example, okay? Start by greeting according to the time of the day, name of your business, your name, and then how can I assist you? It will sound something like this. Good morning. Thank you for calling the Smith Law Firm. My name is Liel. How can I assist you? Now notice as well the pace of the greeting. Not because it's something that it's almost scripted, you wanted it to sound as if it was a sentence that you're pronouncing in one breath of air. Uh, you want to make sure that it's understandable, it's paused, and that your tone is actually warm as you're mentioning that. It's so important, Grace, and this is going back to what you were saying, right? This is the first interaction that many prospects are having with your law firm. You want it to be a good one and a positive one. I'm a firm believer of first impressions and humans making uh, decisions and judgment based on uh, uh, first impressions. And so think about it uh, from that standpoint. Now, a personal advice that I would also add on into this particular um, greeting is thank the callers for contacting you. Instead of just saying, uh, good afternoon, uh, Smith Law Firm, thank the callers. Good afternoon, and thank you for calling the Smith Law Firm. My name is Liel, and so. And so thanking the callers go back to the fact that people have plenty of choices. Don't think for a second that you're entitled to any of the phone calls that you're receiving. People have plenty of options. And the fact that you're acknowledging that they chose to call you uh, speaks to the value that you are uh, giving to your clients and how much appreciation you have for them. And so I think it's a, it's a good way to relay the message. It may be a little bit old school, Grace. I'm going to be very honest with you. I mean, these are the kind of the kind of thinking method that the Ritz-Carlton used to live by in the 80s. But I'll tell you what, it works. And so if you're implementing things that have been tested and trialed, you may see some really amazing results in your uh, law firm. So we spoke about speaking calmly and clearly and try to uh, ensure that your environment around is free of background noises. That can also be very distracting and stressful when your people are trying to complete intake and there's a bunch of noise coming from the background, okay? Uh, here's another thing, Grace. I'm surprised, I'm amazed by the number of times that intake happens and no name is asked until almost the end of the conversation. First, there's the operational reasons why you want to get that data up front, right? The call gets disconnected. You want to make sure you have the name, the telephone number, things that you can get back to this person uh, should something happen throughout the call. But it's not just about that. From the client experience standpoint, you, it, it's a great opportunity to further personalize the call and the experience. If you're getting the prospect's name, that means that now you can use their name throughout the conversation. 
And my recommendation would be is depending on the length of the call for you to use it at least two times. Now the relation is more vivid and it feels that um, you've uh, developed a personal connection. As I said, if you have a caller ID in place, then confirm whether that number where the call's coming from is a good a number for you to keep as a, as a contact. You can repeat the telephone back to make sure that you have it correct. But one thing that is extremely and very annoying, and now I'm talking about uh, uh, as a consumer, is when you have to uh, provide your contact and personal details over a phone call, uh, we kind of understand that it's necessary, but it's still annoying right so whatever it is that you can do to ease that and to make that less of a thing uh it's gonna it's gonna translate to a better uh, call experience grace asking permission before placing a caller on hold now when callers actually give you the green light to a hold don't abuse it okay there is endless amount of times that I've seen callers being placed on hold for six minutes and that's unacceptable. That's ridiculous. Okay. If you're putting Terrible. someone on hold, make sure that the hold doesn't last more than a minute. If it has to last more than a minute, get back to the caller, explain why you need an extension and ask for permission to extend the wait time. But please. And wait for the answer before you put them back on hold. guys. Absolutely. <laughs> I know it seems simple, but people seem to do great, that all the time. Great. I hate that. Grace, you were, you just, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Literally, literally you jumped at me and took words out of my mouth. Okay. Never answer a call and immediately ask to place the caller on hold without them even being able to say hi. Um, Smith oh Law gosh. Firm, this is Liel. Can I please place you on a hold? Thank you. Never. Unacceptable. Never, 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 never do that. Okay? Answer the call, let them speak, and then politely ask for permission to place callers on hold. Um, Grace, when transferring a call, communicate all relevant details to the colleague that you're sending the call to so that the person, your prospect or client, does not have to repeat themselves. I cannot stress how important mm -hmm. this is. And when we will talk about CRMs, we'll, it, it will become very evident why CRMs are a great solution for these kind of communication uh, challenges. But it's very important that all the information that has been already relied to you by the caller, you can uh, pass it on to whomever is gonna be uh, assisting the caller from that point on. And here's another one. If you're actually setting up an appointment and the caller will be coming to your office, offer to send them the address via text message. Going back to the exchange of, of personal and contact details, it's just uh, part of what we sometimes have to do in calls, but there are ways that we can uh, make this process less of a hassle and sending your contacts the text message with your address not only will make it easier for them to have to figure out a way to write it down while they're probably not in a place or with things to allow them to do so, uh, it will also uh, potentially allow them to just click on it on their cell phone and open up their GPS and get driving directions and make uh, make it, it will make it 
much easier for them to to be able to to get to your job. Of course, if you have some more advanced software like Persist or other software that will send actual uh, uh, calendar invites and messages with reminders and so forth and so on, that's already going to be covered. But now, because we're just talking about very, very, very basic solutions, that's something that you can implement and do in a very easy and with low technology capacities. Okay, great. Am I am I leaving anything out uh, when it comes down to telephone etiquette? Is there anything else that you can think of that will make for a good telephone technique that has not been mentioned? Not so much anything you left out. You didn't leave anything out. I think what's important to remind people here is to actually test out your systems. So you can say you put all these things in place, but do you actually call in, see how long it takes to be on the phone? How long it takes for someone to answer? How long does it take for them to put you on hold? You need to go through the process as if you were a prospect or client of the firm as a current client and as a potential client, both. If you have two separate paths, let's say for the customer journey in your phone processes or your phones, right? So you need to make sure you go through it as a new client, a potential client, uh, and any other practice areas you may have. If you have different phone numbers, you need to test, 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 check, 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 and make sure that all of it is running and correct because that is essentially part of telephone etiquette is how long you're leaving them on the phone, how long you're leaving them in this queue by not responding to them and all those different things that Liel mentioned as well. So to me, that's all part and parcel of telephone etiquette. Make sure you test it, check it yourself, and call all the phone numbers that you have out there and make sure that the customer journey is what you think it should be and what you've planned for it to be. Absolutely, Grace. And the other thing also to keep in mind is that while we're calling this telephone etiquette, a lot of these steps, processes, and techniques should also be applied for in-person conversation, for email conversations, for text messages, for live chats. The principles are the same. And so um, it's very... uh, So I actually have an example. I don't mean to interrupt your flow, but um, so I worked at Target for five years um, as one of the uh, managers. And there's very, very specific training at Target, right? It comes from corporate and they, they have a greeting. They have a very specific greeting that you must say each and every time you see a client come into the door or it comes in your uh, aisle even. It's good morning or good afternoon. My name is Grace. Welcome to Target. How may I help you today? So it's not that old school, right? It's, 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 this is customer service and this is something that has to be done no matter what. Yeah. So I think that kind of completes my little case study that I wanted to give. Thank, thank you very much for that, Grace. Let's, let's move on. Um, and part of, uh, part of this telephone etiquette uh, process. So, uh, Grace, let's face it, right? There are times when uh, not every single call can get answered by a live agent. When it is okay to use an automated answering service, and uh, when we should actually try to have all calls uh, answered live by a live agent. So I'll just tell you from my own experience, um, whenever we have you know regular operating hours, uh, we do our best to have a live person answer. Um, however, if there is a 
large amount of, let's say, uh, marketing going out for a particular tort or anything like that, we do have overflow, meaning it will try to go through different uh, people within our firm. But if they cannot answer, then it goes to an answering service, um, unless it is something that is maybe not so um, uh, urgent, let's say, a sense of urgency, then it could possibly go to um, a voicemail box. But we very, very rarely do that uh, because that is probably the last thing you should ever do is to have it to go to a voicemail. Um, I would say, you know, answering services are kind of last resort even. Okay, so here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing live agent a priority, right? And I guess in everyone's ideal world, that would be that would be uh, a great solution. Uh, but the reality is that sometimes you have you may have multiple practice areas going on in your law firm. Uh, you may have agents that are qualified to speak uh, different languages. And so, in order to route calls to the right person, you may want to implement a greeting recording or menu with a menu options that will allow uh, for calls to to be directed. To, to the relevant party that's going to be uh, best suitable to a system. So would it be fair that when you are in that kind of situation, when you're at, when you're implementing a call flow in order to better serve your customers, um, is it acceptable? Yeah, it has to be done, right? Because you need to be able to speak to them in the language yeah. they need. So you're, you're 100% right, Liel. Um, we yeah. have it like that. Right. And so so here's, here's the thing. Uh, it's perfectly fine for you to want to separate be between your first time callers and your existing clients. And if you want to route your Spanish speaking clients to a particular agent that speaks Spanish, those are things that you definitely have to set up a system for. And if a call flow system will allow, allow you to, uh, to do that, then it's great for that to be implemented. Um, I guess what we don't encourage is for us to go into the path of queuing up calls because other tasks are being set up as more important than actually talking to potential new clients, right? And so that's the danger of sometimes activating these systems and not necessarily making a priority for uh, calls to get answered as they're coming is you don't know what you cannot see. And when you're not seeing or hearing the phones ringing, you may not necessarily be fully aware of uh, the call volume that you have and what's, uh, what's happening on your telephone lines. So, so make sure that you are not falling victim to not uh, knowing and understanding uh, because of this system uh, managing it for you and, and taking a hands-off approach. So um, Grace, I think we're ready for our uh, last point which is uh, always ABC, baby. <laughs> always be closing ABC. <laughs> so um, here's 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 why we're saying that we should always be closing. And you and I were having this conversation right before we started recording. Is that the purpose of intake is to serve as a bridge from conversion to retention. And your goal is to define as an intake agent. Your goal is to define what is the next step to bring your prospects closer to the solution that they're looking for and for them to become signed clients for your law firm. So, um, Grace, uh, explain a little bit more why is that the intake agents need to serve as a guide 
uh, and not just as a source of uh, information or as you were uh, referring to uh, when we were talking about empathy, sometimes someone who's just very good at empathizing with people, but not at bringing things down to, to, to a resolution. So right. explain. So it's your job essentially to take them along the customer journey and to help them, right? Because that's why they're calling you. That's always the reason that you should always be closing is because they're calling you to look for help. They are not calling only to have a conversation. They're calling because they found they had a need, they found you, and now they want you to solve that problem. So you, whenever you're speaking to them, you need to have that in your mind that, yes, I'm here to listen to the issue. I'm here to take down all the pertinent information that we need. I'm here to help them. But you're there to control the conversation, to get them to the ultimate goal of helping them. How do you help them? By getting them to sign a retainer agreement. And so you always, always need to have it in the back of your mind that the whole goal of this conversation is to have an action taken at the end. And so you always need to make the ask and you need to have that idea that the whole point of this is to help them in the end. And the only way you can help them is if they sign a contract saying that you're allowed to help them. So you need to control the conversation from the beginning to end. And I think Liel is really good at explaining what controlling the conversation kind of means because we were discussing that before we started the recording. Um, do you mind explaining a little bit about controlling the conversation, Liel? Yes, Grace. And so here's, here's, here's the thing that um, really frustrates me when we are uh, auditing um, intake calls for clients as part of quality control is when the intake staff just are not leading the conversation, right? And so most of times when that happens, uh, the call ends with the prospect saying, uh, okay, I'll call again if I need help. And you'll be surprised, but sometimes you can reach that point, like they've reached that point without even having collected some basic information. Now, locally, because of lead tracking and so forth and so on, we do have telephone numbers and contact details, but still those things need to get confirmed over the conversation. And uh, sometimes it's not happening. So let me flag out a few phrases that tend to lead to this kind of uh, situations. Here's one. When would you like to come for an appointment? Too open, Grace. Too open. People are in distress. We've said it so many times over uh, this conversation. People want guidance. People respond better when you tell them what to do. Exchange, when would you like to come for an appointment to, I understand you want to find out a solution to your problem. I can move things around to get you an appointment for this afternoon. Can you make it, right? Now you're letting them know that you care about solving their problem and that you're using all your power to try to get them to a solution as fast as you can. And they appreciate that and they feel special. And now you're also committing them to come now when things are hot, right? When would you like to come for an appointment? Doesn't work. That should not be a way that we ask and invite people to come in for a consultation, okay? No open-ended questions. That's right. You can call us back anytime. You 
can call us back anytime. Okay, not a good, not a good phrase to use on an intake call. Instead, try this. Would you prefer for me to follow up with you in the morning or the afternoon? Establish when the next conversation is going to take place. It doesn't matter. I understand. Sometimes people need to talk to a husband, need to talk to the, uh, to the cousin, con la comadre, right? And, <laughs> and so it's very important that we define when are we, when are we going to follow up from that. And so always take the lead in that. And then there is uh, going a little bit back to empathy, I guess, uh, also. It's just and because we had this conversation, Grace, you've touched on it, right? The good cases, the bad cases, but they're all colors and they all can at some point become a potential client to your law firm. And so here is another phrase that I often hear and I've uh, see it as short-sighted. We only take these blank space cases, okay? You insert there whatever your practice area is or your mm -hmm. most preferred cases or your most profitable cases, okay? Instead, why don't you try? Please tell me what can we help you with. It doesn't matter if you can take or not the client case. They already called you. And if you take a few minutes to give them some guidance, they will come back again the day that they'll need your help or refer someone to you. Mm -hmm. Now, here's something even better, right? You may, you may not be able to help them, but you may be able to send them to the local bar where somebody, yeah, or maybe you know someone that you can refer to, okay? And here's what's even better, right? Where you can actually turn this into, who knows, maybe even a potential positive review. Call them a couple of days later and ask them, was uh, whomever, your referral or the state bar, able to help you, right? And just the sole fact that you're following up with them, that even though that you, who are not going to be taking on their case, cares enough to spend a minute or two to call back and find out how they're doing and if they were able to find help, means so much to them that you can potentially uh lock down someone for life okay they could potentially now be someone who's going to be so loyal to you they'll send you referrals and they'll come to you whenever it is that they need your services and so that's why i call it short-sighted is you do not uh you should not take for granted any of the calls you're uh you're getting and uh using uh some of these statements like we only take these kind of cases uh uh speaks to uh, taking that kind of attitude towards callers. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again now, any call is a gift to you and you should be appreciative of it and you should treat it as if it's someone who could become your best client either now or in the future. Grace, um, I think that with that, we are wrapping up on our basic elements for client-oriented intake. And so let's do our takeaways. Takeaway number one, make intake a priority. Why, Grace? Why we make intake a priority? People don't shop around. <laughs> That's so important, right? It's important because it's the lifeblood of your business. And intake is, I mean, that's really it. It's the lifeblood of your business, guys. 
Like I cannot say that enough. <laughs> Absolutely. So as we've heard in this uh, episode, people will at most call to two law firms and then they'll make a decision. So if you're one of those calls, you better make sure to capture that lead because they're not going to give you multiple calls to be spot on. Um, Grace, we need to be timely and we need to be available, right? And it ties back to what we've just mentioned. If we're going to open up intake windows across all platforms, then we need to make sure that we have a presence there that can act upon inquiries as they are coming. Grace, how long should it take for us to reply to a WhatsApp question for our law firm? Nearly instantaneous. Correct. Now, moving on. Practice empathy. Grace, you're the psychologist here. Why do we need why do we need to practice empathy? Remind us once again, because we cannot hear this enough. Empathy. You need to practice empathy, not just to help your client or potential client, but also to lead the conversation, right? To help guide them to the ultimate goal of helping the people that you're, they called you for. So help them with what they called you for. Assist them. And the only way to do that is by being empathetic. Yes? Agreed. Next point. Implement a telephone etiquette. In other words, Grace, be professional. And one thing that you've mentioned, and it's really, really, really super important, make sure it's happening. If you're doing it through a third party, make sure that you're also running audits on them. Make sure that you're implementing a call recording for quality control. Uh, all of these things need to be monitored on and uh, everyone involved in the intake process should be held accountable for what's happening in, in the intake process. Now, Grace, I let you do the last one, which we've just covered, because I know you like the uh, acronym ABC. I do. How can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, guys, always be closing always have it in the back of your mind that you're here to help them. And the only way you can help them is by getting them to sign a retainer so that they sign a contract for services so that you can actually help them. So always be closing, be empathetic, but always close that deal guys. This is ultimately for you to help them. And they came to you for a reason. They want your help. So ask for it, ask for them to sign that contract and get that retainer agreement signed. Always be closing guys. Can't emphasize that part enough. Grace, I'm so glad that I let you talk about that last takeaway because I could not have done that better. So that is all that we have for you for this first episode on intake and retention. Thank you very much for listening and we're looking forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. And this is In Camera, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.